0: 630 Chad afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at two on six thirty Chad.
1: Well, as the cleanup uh, continues, the rescues continue, the rebuild continues in British Columbia, yet another atmospheric river is slated to hit the west coast. It's the same thing that pummeled the area last week, dropping massive amounts of rainfall. Now, over the next ten days, some areas being forecast could see another 200 to 400 millimeters of rain so what exactly is an atmospheric river anyway we've heard that a lot over the past couple of months let's find out with dr marty ralph the director of the center for western weather and water extremes at the university of california san diego dr ralph welcome to the show thank you Marty, you are uh, recognized as the pioneer of research on atmospheric rivers, uh, specifically impacting the western uh, U.S. It's been your your life's work. So what was the trigger for you? What was it that sparked that interest?
0: Yeah, I saw as a young adult that uh, we got a lot of our rain in just one or two storms each year in Arizona and then in Southern California and uh, really felt it was a good type of storm to study and maybe it'll be useful to know better about them
1: yeah and you and you're finding out more and more about them and and uh we're helping to, to or hoping to share that information this afternoon so what exactly is an atmospheric river
0: it's literally a river in the sky but it's a river of water vapor rather than liquid and the amount of water it carries uh, an average atmospheric river can carry is 25 times the Mississippi or two or three times the Amazon, the Amazon, the massive amounts of water being moved along.
1: How how long are these bands of water vapor?
0: They tend to be about 500 miles wide. Wow. You Nearly know, 800, 900 kilometers and a couple thousand kilometers or a thousand miles or more long and uh that sounds sort of big from you know your neighborhood scale but if you look at the planet as a whole there's only three or four of these at any one time in the northern hemisphere and in them they're transporting 90 to 95 percent of all the water vapor transport horizontally in the mid latitudes is happening in these three or four rivers that don't constitute a big fraction of the earth's the, you know, circumference.
1: So, Dr. Ralph, I've often heard about, uh, and I'm sure you've been asked this a million times and I'm going to ask you again, we've often, uh, you know, we, we talk about these pineapple expresses and we've heard yeah. about these systems that come through, especially out here. Is that, is that a, is, is that an atmospheric river?
0: Pineapple Express storms are one flavor of atmospheric river. <laughs> and learning about them years ago was... <laughs> that's a bit of a joke, yeah. Uh, learning about those years ago really sort of set the stage for us to learn a lot more about how storms that transport large amounts of water vapor, you know, can form and what controls them, where they occur, and how they relate to heavy precipitation and water supply and flooding.
1: So, so how how do they form uh, and where do they form? Well,
0: basically... They form largely over the oceans, although they can form over continents, but they need to have a lot of water vapor available, and that usually comes out of the oceans, of course, through evaporation. So the short story is you got the cold polar regions and the warm tropical regions, and these big cyclones form up to mix that air up, and they it takes the cold air you know equatorward and the warm air poleward, and in the process of the air circulations doing that. They concentrate the water vapor into a fairly narrow band with strong horizontal winds coming typically out of the south or southwest or west, and that's transporting water vapor along with the warmth of the air, and those are – uh, the long, narrow features that the atmosphere has formed up uh, that end up transporting tons of water vapor.
1: Dr. Ralph, these are naked to the to the, uh, the well to the naked eye. They're they're pretty much invisible. So how are you able to study them?
0: Yeah, great question. And uh, one of the reasons that the topic sort of blossomed later is because there was uh, three new things happened in the late '90s. One was uh, new satellite data came on board that showed us the water vapor distribution in the atmosphere over the oceans. And we saw these long, narrow ribbons of large water vapor content. And about the same time, there was a uh, special modeling study done that looked, Zhu and Newell from MIT uh, published a paper, a scientific article that I saw that helped get me going, But, uh, but they used a model to characterize the Uh, nature of atmospheric rivers in terms of these being narrow bands of strong water vapor uh, transport and i led a field experiment with aircraft out over the pacific ocean in 1998 and all those three things sort of came together over the late 90s early 2000s to have sort of the light bulb go off for me at least that uh this was a really major part of the atmosphere and we could do something to study it and maybe predict it better
1: so dr ralph when i was reading a little bit about about the research that you did and about these little things that you would drop into these atmospheric rivers. It reminded me out of a scene out of that old movie Twister when they're trying to drop those balls into the the tornado and get them off and get going. Is that, I I know, that's not what you were doing, was it?
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) But uh, it's true that we do need in in meteorology to understand what's going on above the ground. And that's often harder to get information on. And we launch weather balloons every day all over the Earth, you know, Fused ill, but enough to be helpful, and they to measure temperature, pressure, water vapor, and winds as they ascend. What we do with AR, with the atmospheric river thing, is uh, we fly research aircraft offshore, and we drop little. The same sort of sensor, about the size of a Coke can or two, okay. with a little parachute out of the plane, takes about 20, meter, twenty minutes to drop down to the ocean, and it radios back to the aircraft. You know, every half a second or something, those measurements, and then the aircraft uh, satellite data is that back to the ground, where the whole world's global weather models use those data to help make. Uh, more accurate predictions of ars
1: fascinating stuff so why are we hearing about them more and more are 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 they happening more and more or, or are we just hearing that language being used
0: it's more that we're discovering that they exist how they work and how important they are to both water supply and flooding and it's creating a greater awareness that that they're part of the atmosphere uh, that hadn 't gotten so much attention for a while, and now we understand it better through science and uh, we 've developed a scale to try to distinguish the the weaker ones, which can be largely beneficial for water supply and the like yeah. and from the stronger ones, which can be primarily hazardous
1: now that that scale goes from a one to a five that uh, the 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 the, the a r that hit b c last week where did that fall in?
0: was a solid four sort of verging on a five. Wow. And the scale based is based on two parameters. One is the strength of the AR at a given moment in time, like how much water vapor is flowing uh, horizontally in it. And the other is how long it, st- it, it exists over a given location. So most people would recognize through common sense that if you have a, a, a region of heavy rain and it stalls and hangs out over top of you for a longer time, you're going to have a better chance for flooding. Mm-hmm. So we combine those two parameters, the strength of the storm and the duration.
1: Are atmospheric rivers uh, becoming more common because of climate change at all?
0: Climate change is expected to intensify some atmospheric rivers, make some of them bigger in area, but there'll also be drier periods in between. hmm so uh, it's, at least in some parts of the world, it's, uh, so in a way, yes, there'll be more of them and some of them will be stronger, but there'll also be the no longer periods of dry times between some
1: of them in different areas of the world. And I guess hence goes back to why it's important to be able to forecast better, uh, forecast them better and also know more about them.
0: There's a lot of applications. Uh, Uh, We work with water managers. We work with uh, emergency managers who deal with flood. Uh, Transportation officials are interested in this. They seem to be correlated with transportation issues. Of course, British Columbia has experienced really difficult aspects of that right now with the flooding uh, and the bridges and all being uh, washed out. So, uh, yeah, that's got a lot of applications.
1: Do do atmospheric rivers flow mainly west to east or... uh... I don't know why that just popped into my on, head. On
0: average, on average, they're southwest to northeast in the northern hemisphere. Okay. In the southern hemisphere, they're northwest to southeast.
1: Okay. And one more question before I let you go, because I have a couple of back-to-back texts on this from my listeners. Wondering about any impact that these could have on airplanes traveling.
0: The... the Airplanes fly through these just yeah. fine. Okay. There's not an issue there. <laughs> Taking off and landing, you don't want to have you know, big crosswinds and heavy rains. But the aircraft and air traffic controls, super professional and safe.
1: All right. Dr. Ralph, fascinating stuff. Thank you for sharing uh, a little bit about the work that you do. Really, really interesting, and I appreciate your time this afternoon
0: thank you have a good day
1: yeah take care dr marty ralph he is the director for the center for western weather and water extremes at the university of california san diego he has been front and center he has been leading the research into these atmospheric rivers and of course you know bc has had what five of them in the past number of months Uh, normally they don't start to happen till around November. Like to have one, and that is what hit BC last week. And there now is another one being forecast over the next couple of days that could, as I mentioned, drop 200 to 400 millimeters of rain over parts of BC. So we're going to continue to watch that, continue to watch and see uh, the the uh, the impact of that, given the situation that that province is already facing.